Hey everyone, welcome to the Leaders and Founders podcast. Uh, slightly belated, but happy new year to you. Um, this is obviously the first episode that we've put out in 2021. Um, like most of you, I'm sure, uh, unfortunately, we've just been bogged down with life restrictions, you know, all of the positive news coming out of the UK and most of Europe at the moment. But yeah, we're getting there. Hopefully everyone's in a, in a good place and the new year started well. Um, but look, to kick us off um, with season three, episode one, I'm really, really excited to bring you one of my favorite podcast that we've, we've recorded so far with an awesome guy called Nicholas Goubert. Um, so Nicholas is currently the Chief Product Officer at Clark, um, a German-based insurtech business. They've just closed 85 million in funding, so they're going to be doing some, some interesting growth over the uh, the next year or so and, and beyond. Um, but he's actually, so Nicholas is the first Chief Product Officer we, we've had on the show. Um, he looks after a lot of engineering, of course, as well, not just products. So for anyone listening who is, you know, an aspiring leader in engineering or product, or even if you're just starting out in your career, Nicholas genuinely has some amazing advice. Um, he's worked with businesses such as Native Instruments, uh, you know, SoundCloud. He's a mentor uh, with Techstars. He, he advises a lot of, you know, early stage startups as well. And he's had an amazing career and, you know, very much, um, you know, career, which wasn't sort of the, the set route for him, which is why I think so many people will, will take some great advice. But he's genuinely a top, top guy. Really, really enjoyed speaking with him. I hope you really enjoy this one. And um, yeah, keep tuned for for more uh for more quick releases on the podcast we'll give, we've got some great guests lined up that we're bringing to you but yeah really hoping you enjoy nicholas's story and uh yeah enjoy sit back and enjoy speak to you soon cheers guys so hey nicholas welcome to the leaders and founders podcast Hey, Adam. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. Yeah, really, really excited. You're actually our first uh, sort of true CPO, actually, Chief Product Officer, who's, uh, who's joining. So, yeah, really looking forward to getting into it. And I'm glad we've yeah. got some good time. Good, likewise. Yeah. So, yeah, very happy to be the first CPO. The first is something that's already interesting, right? So, <laughs> curious by nature. It's like, uh, yeah, very, no, no, very happy to be here. Uh, much looking forward to the conversation. Fantastic. Well, yeah, thanks for joining us. Obviously, you're, you're joining in from Germany, right? How, how are things where you are? You know, what, are you, what have you been up to? Yeah, so I'm like, I guess everybody who's listened to us now um, at home. Uh, so yeah, I'm based in Berlin. That's been home for the last nine years. And um, yeah, and that's been home, home for the last, uh, I don't know, eight months maybe now, um, where we've been working from home. So the company I work with, Clark, has offices in Frankfurt and Berlin in Germany. So I use at the beginning to do back and forth between here and Frankfurt. But since I would say since October uh, or even before that, I'm, I'm, I'm at home. Yes. So I work from uh, my home office, which is quite comfortable. Can't complain. Sure. Yeah, good stuff. You've got some nice natural light that I can see. Uh, so yeah, it's not like you're in a cave or a basement somewhere. <laughs> no, trying to avoid the basement. And uh, no, I'm lucky we have enough space. So my daughter is also here with me. And then uh, she's homeschooling, obviously. And I got also my, my girlfriend also here. So we have a mini co-working space. Perfect. So, so yeah, no, we keep it we keep it nice and easy. Nice, good stuff. Well, look, as I said, really, really excited to have you. There's so much that I'm really keen to get into. So I'm sure we're going to run out of time as, as we always do. But I think what would be really, really great, I guess, just to sort of start things off, um, is just to really look at, I guess, your background, how you got into product. You know, as you said now, you're, you're CPO with, uh, with Clark. You've you know, worked at Native Instruments, SoundCloud, DaimlerX here. You're a mentor, you know, to, to startups hoping that we can get into as much of that as possible but i guess a good place to start is you know relatively close to the beginning i suppose you know how you how you got to where you are today i guess because i guess is this where you saw yourself like sort of 15 20 years ago maybe i don't know no i mean a very simple answer i've, I've, I've been i never pictured myself as in berlin never pictured myself as a cpo in particular so um so where it all started um it was a long time ago. It was more than 20 years ago. So you're very generous saying 10 years. <laughs> uh, no, it was 20 years ago um, when uh, actually I studied engineering. Um, so computer science and geography at the same time. So doing the two masters in parallel. And, um, and then very naturally, I ended up as a first job working in the location industry. So basically digital mapping um, as an engineer, but with a very 
with a, a very a very strong push towards the product then right which was the map so it was also a very visual product an easy product to get into um and and the engineering part of it was already integrated right so so i was very lucky to come into market where it was really the big push for digitalization of map location services starting to pop up um and i'm going to talk for the youngest here we're not there like uh <laughs> Google map didn't exist at the, and the first map on the phone was with Nokia with the OV map. So I'm talking uh, almost mm -hmm. dinosaur age here, but, um, but I was lucky to really work towards this transition for paper map to digital map and to starting to have these navigation capabilities into mobile. So that was really the beginning. And I, I don't know, I, I probably did maybe a year of software engineering uh, are really, really coding, basically, software engineering. Um, and then very, very fast moving to more project management. Uh, at that time, product management was not even a discipline, right? So started with project management and program management. And then slowly, when, when it become a, a thing to be a product manager, I move into, into that domain very, very, very early. Sure. Um, and I think what could be interesting um, to, to tell a little bit more about is that I was very lucky for the first 10 years of my career to work in this location space and especially to work in developing country and going there, uh, mostly working with the World Bank um, and, and also the European, the European Union funding to help develop system, what are called geographic information systems. So basically data system and information system based on location uh, and going there and develop this system right from the bed, building a team on site. Um, so this entrepreneurship was already there, like building the team from scratch and delivering against, against the project, putting a system in place and leaving after six to nine months when the team is running. So I've been doing that for almost eight years, took me to Cambodia, Thailand. Um, I did some cadastral uh, in, uh, in, in yeah, in the back country of Nicaragua. Mm. Uh, so did some really cool stuff. I did also very weird project with location, which I'm very grateful about. I did a whole analysis of the migration of birds between um, between France and Russia. So it took oh, me okay. into the forest of Russia to do that. So yeah, it was kind of, I like to think about these years uh, as my um, Indiana Jones time, right? Yeah, you have the map and you go and you do things. That was super interesting. So mixing this field work uh, with the technology. And, um, and, and, and I came after this period, I came to a moment in my life where I had to basically choose if I wanted to make that my life. You were asking me where I would see myself. I was like, do we want to continue doing that and growing that space? Or do I want to explore other things? And being curious by nature, I decided to do a year of seizure. I took, um, I did an MBA. Uh, I, I, I took I took a, I took a year off uh, and then I started I started working I did that in Belgium and then after the MBA I started working with a Belgian company uh, who was doing consulting around uh, digitalization at that point but also working in in modern marketing uh, so I helped them so it was a very entrepreneur grassroots entrepreneurship of mixing again technology and product. Did that for a few years. Um, then I got the bug of entrepreneurship. So starting my own company um, in France at that time, going back to my roots of doing um, a lot of consulting and project around at that time, moving from data location to data visualization. That was the beginning of this big data trend. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's the moment where I had a, a little company running. I was at, I was consulting a few companies. Uh, in France and in Europe, and then I got basically approached um, by a company here in Berlin who was uh, who was growing. Was a, it was a merger between um, a Berlin startup that was building the navigation system for Nokia uh, that I was talking about of Maps before, and they just acquired a big uh, content mapping content company in in the US called Navtech, and uh, they merged the two under Nokia, and they were looking for product manager to start building the first product out of this mishmash of different company bringing their product together. And, and so that's when I joined, uh, moved to Berlin and uh, started working on developing the first location platform for Nokia. Um, I stayed with here for five years, uh, did a bunch of different things, happy to discuss about that. Um, and, um, and then from, from here, 
went to work more on the innovation space. So I joined Daimler to run their, um, to run from product perspective, their innovation lab, um, which was at the same time an interesting experience. Um, but then I realized that I really want to, I was really much more interesting into, into going back to pure product and not just the beginning of the product life and innovation, but really seeing the product through its whole life cycle, yeah, sure. uh, which is, which is, um, which is what took me, but I wanted to do that. And I was still curious. So you will find that a lot of time. And I wanted to do that in a new industry. Yeah, and that's why I decided, as you said before, to move into the music industry and basically see how I could apply my craftsmanship of product leadership and product management to new industry. So I joined SoundCloud first uh, for a year and then from SoundCloud moved to native instruments. So starting with music distribution, then moving music creation uh, and production. Uh, and after, after a few years in the music industry, um, I'm now back into a completely different industry that I'm learning as we go, which is InsurTech, right? I joined Clark last summer. Uh, Clark is a digital broker here in Germany. Um, and it's very interesting, once again, to apply my craftsmanship of product leadership, building product team, building product strategy and, and developing the product. Um, in a, in a different domain, basically, and, and see, and, and always adding more, more weapon to my arsenal, basically. Yeah, of course. No, definitely. And I think, you know, for, for anyone listening as well, or for anyone who knows you, they will know exactly what I'm talking about. But going back to, it's really interesting to hear about yourself kind of being in the field, because for people who don't know you, you have arguably the best hair and beard game that I've ever seen. So you look ready for a bit of a journey, a bit of an adventure, which is awesome. Um, but it's, it's really interesting. And this is the beauty of technology and product and engineering that you know, the, the transferability, I guess, of the skills and the knowledge that you learn, it's great to see how you can apply that to completely different industries, you know, as you said, you know, here who have, you know, an, an awesome sort of uh, pedigree, I guess, for product, for engineering, you know, the alumni for here, if you look where they've gone over five, 10 years, you know, some of the best leaders in, in Europe, essentially, have, have kind of crafted a lot of their, their skills and their careers there. SoundCloud, of course, you know, Native Instruments, huge in the music industry, and now Clark, who are, you know, a new breed of, of uh, you know, of business within, you know, pretty traditional industry. So, yeah, it's fascinating to see. And there's loads I want to go into recently in terms of obviously what you're doing and, you know, how the next sort of few years look. But I guess if we could just to take it back, you know, as you mentioned, the role sort of of a product manager, I guess, or of having, you know, disciplined product engineering teams or feature teams with a focus didn't really, they kind of existed, but it wasn't really a thing, I guess, you know, going back to the early part of your career. So do you remember when that shift kind of happened and people really started talking about product management as a thing and product, product engineering, I guess? I mean, I, it's funny you ask the question because I ask myself the question a lot. And, and also when I talk to my peers and, 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 and other people I know in my network, when we start thinking about that, we have a hard time pinning down when we really started to do product management. I think now it's very difficult for the younger audience to understand that, but even like the term didn't really exist, right? And, and there was there's still, there's now you can see the first training to help you because I think it's a mark of something that a job that doesn't really is yet on the radar of people. If there is no proper training that gets you to that or certification, it, it came pretty, like, pretty late, right? Mm. Um, so I can't pin down any, any specific moment, but I would say it's probably, it's probably around <laughs> more, more than probably between 10 and 15 years ago, I would say probably around 10, but not much, not much more than that. Yeah. Um, and, and still today, there's still a lot of I think there's still a lot of confusion um, between, or not confusion, but overlap between product management, program program management, product management, product ownership. Like it's yeah. even the, the different terms um, are, are different. And I, it, it's very interesting for me, for example, just to give you a very concrete example that is more related of what I'm working today is like at Clark, um, today we have product owners and I'm trying to, bring them working with my team, bring them to become more product manager. Because in my head, the difference is basically a product owner within the definition of Scrum is doesn't really have time. It, it's not really thing to integrate within the Scrum, the product discovery parts, and, and then the whole life cycle of the product and also the strategy for the product, right? The, the, the whole product owner definition is very centered around the development part of the product. And of course, it depends how you apply Scrum and all this type of thing. But 
since since the whole agile revolution happened, um, my gut feeling is it, it has narrowed down very much the role of product management as compared to what it was before. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but mm. I think it's important to sometimes take a step back and and look at what is not what what agile what agile is not optimized for when it comes from a product angle. I think sure. it's a very good thing. Uh, it's a very interesting methodology, of course, that we are applying on a daily basis in every single business, but it's not, it, it doesn't cover everything for the product managers or product owners. So, sure. yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I think, you, I mean, there's always been that, you know, the kind of BA versus PO, where there's that kind of cross come in, the technicality, obviously, of being a, a PO versus a BA. And obviously, as you've mentioned, you know, PO versus PM. <clears throat> and so many people, depending on the business, I guess, that you work in, you could be a PO or a PM or a senior PM or a senior yeah. PO. It kind of, I guess it's interpreted, <clears throat> excuse me, it's, uh, there's a different interpretation from a lot of businesses in terms of how they apply that. Um, but I guess that makes it difficult as well because you know, if you're, if you're a software engineer, for example, that works with you know, Python and JavaScript, you're pretty much a full stack engineer, right? That's kind of what you are and that's the work that you do. And of course there will be differences on the tech stack, but for you personally, you know, when you've gone through some scaling of teams, you know, going back to the teams that you've built, you know, at all of your businesses, how do you as a, as a leader within product look to set your teams up? And yeah, how, how do you apply your own methodologies with industry themes, I guess, if, if that yeah. makes sense? Yeah, so I think, first of all, there is no, there's no playbook, right? And I've been, I've been across multiple size of company, different industry, different also, um, like, yeah, variety in company in their age to in their stage or where they are, right? Um, you will apply very different ways of working if you're in a startup, in a scale-up, or in, in a more bigger corporate environment. Um, but I, I would say, so first of all, yeah, there's no playbook. You don't come with something and you say, I'm going to apply that. And, and even if you had a playbook, it, it will not work, right? Everybody's different. You need to take care about about. You need to understand what are the real needs. You understand what work, what doesn't work. Be extremely respectful for what work. Listen a lot because you will learn um, learn a lot. So it starts with listening. You start with listening. You start with understanding where the team is when you join, um, what's working, what's not working, and go beyond product only. Right? It's very important. I'm a big I'm a big advocate for thinking in terms of product creation team and not product engineering design data. For me, it's it's a uh, Every single team should be cross-functional, share one single OKR and, and, and drive towards that. So but going back to your question, it, it's, um, I think, I think you, yeah, you need to understand what works and then you need to understand where are the gaps or where are the room for improvement and you need to bring talent. I mean, I'm gonna say something pretty obvious, um, but that is not always applied, but bring people who are smarter than you and who are different than you. I mean, we all have these BAs when we hire to, hire for our clones or people that we really understand that we click with. Um, I sometimes remind myself to pinch myself during, during uh, interviews of choice to just try to figure out and look for the people who have a different angle because I've, I've seen company where everybody is the same and everybody thinks the same. And, and it's, it's really, it's easy to some, to some extent to manage as a leader. It's an easy team to manage. Um, or easier team to manage, but it's it becomes a boring team at some point, and and the, the, the good ideas are not coming. So I like to create teams that are diverse, that are friction, um, that come with people coming from different backgrounds. That's the beauty of product manager or product owner, right? Is like they come from all different world and all different experience, and and I think they have common traits, but, at the, at, but they also bring something very different to the table, which is not necessarily the case in other parts of, of a company. Sure. So, so I look for gaps. Um, I, like to bring, I like to bring smart and diverse people. Um, and, and I like to mix the level of seniority too. So, but once again, there is no blueprint. It depends on you hire based on, on your need. And I like to hire for <laughs> I like to hire also for the potential of the people, not necessarily what they have done before. It's always very interesting to have someone who has done something before, but I think, I think taking an example, if you look for a growth uh, product manager or product owner, there are some very good people who think growth, even if they didn't do growth before. So of course, having someone who's done it before will get you there faster, 
but I think I think hiring for potential might give you more than what you have because they come with a different side of experience. So I I, I tend to mix and match. I guess that would be my yeah. answer. Yeah, perfect. Um, I mean, you know, to somebody who works within talent, that is music to my ears. <laughs> the types of people that you know that you look for, but I think it's. It is, you know, it's so often overlooked, I think, looking for, you know, not sort of diversity in terms of industry or, you know, background, culture, et cetera, but so many people are looking for the perfectly finished article, I think, every single time. And if you're constantly doing that, of course, look, you want to get as close to obviously what you need as possible. But, you know, if you don't really kind of peel the layers back and really look for, as you said, that sort of growth mindset and that potential you know you, you never kind of experience what could happen i guess if, if you give people that opportunity um and look i'm sure that they have to be relevant right you know they have to be a good fit for the team have good experience but but yeah no it's, it's fantastic to hear that and i guess i'm sure there are people probably listening in and people that know you well that you've maybe given that opportunity who have gone on to, to do some great things right as well so yeah try i think i think you know um, and i'm i I think when you and you've been around for a while, when when you work every day and wake up every day and try to be a leader, um, I think I think you need to know you need to know what you stand up for and what what is a good goal for you. And of course, there's a business goal, and you want to to get where where the company needs to go. But for me, I consider myself as someone who builds team, and and part of that is is really developing the potential of others. So there is this big buzzword of servant leader and all that, which which is a little bit. It's tough to live to live against these kind of promises, but at least at least I guess as a leader uh, you need to try. And I think, and I, and I, I am not afraid of taking over a domain like I've I've seen it in my career multiple times, going to a new industry knowing nothing about it. I mean, but learning and also surrounding myself with people who are smarter who might know other pieces of the puzzle that I don't, but my role is to leverage them, put them in the environment where they can really excel and get better even than what they are today and, and, and be there and mix them and match them with other people that can complement them and help them grow. And I think ultimately the role of every leader should be to become obsolete, right? For me, the right, the right test of fire is like, if I'm not there, everything runs normally. There's no issue. I think if you manage to get to that level, I think every leader should think about that. How do you make yourself obsolete? Yeah, sure. um, and, and, uh, that that's a good it's it's not easy right because that's not in that's not in that's not in the mindset of everybody um i mean but i think we will get there at some point this idea of today today leader thinks more about who is who is my who's the next person who's going to take my job and 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 you need to groom that person and everything i think you need to take it even one step further and say like i need to make the team work without me being there um obsolescence is 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 the goal yeah perfect yeah no it's, it's amazing and it's um yeah it's something that a lot of people have told me a lot of people don't sort of think in that way but i, I guess like you want to you want to you, you want to develop the team enough and bring them to a maturity level that you know exactly as you said it's fully sort of functioning and then i guess you can kind of have that conversation and say cool you know let's let's maybe see where, where things go from here but look you're super early into your journey at clark right so i'm sure you're not there yet hopefully <laughs> but um but I, I mean as you mentioned just in terms of crossing industries because you know, I think it, it, every single person is different. Some people love their industry, they love their domain, that they, you know, want to stay in that for a long time. But there are, of course, a lot of people that would love the opportunity to, to try something new. So, you know, going from, you know, as you said, sort of, you know, mapping, you know, ge geographical sort of data and engineering through to, you know, music, car manufacturing and labs, innovation, insurance, you touch on a lot of different areas. Yeah. So I guess for people listening that maybe haven't sort of made that step yet, or would love to make that step what I guess what are some of the biggest challenges and I guess how have you maybe found some success in actually yeah. throwing yourself into something new yeah I think I think I was lucky first of all um and I, I think that journey uh, I was very lucky um and and because it because it fits me right also something to say um to say very clearly is that it's not necessarily the journey for everybody right some people as you say are very happy in their domain i have a friend that an ex-colleague i used to work with in location they're still in location they might have changed company they're still in that world and and some have stayed in the same company for 20 years and that's who they are and they're happy as they are so i think there's no one size fits all yeah. um personally the challenges of moving industry is it's a leap of faith 
it's a leap of faith that you need to take and that the person who hires you need to take as well right it's it's if you want to for me it's it's pretty easy now that i've been around and and i'm trying also to bring people from any other industry to work with me when i create new teams it's like you need to believe in the potential of the people um, and yeah, they are parallel. There are things that are similar, but there's also things that are totally different. My, my argument against that is that even if you stay in the same industry, if you change company, the culture is going to be different. You're going to have other things that you will need to adapt to. Might be not that big an adaptation, but so it depends on your capacity to adapt and to learn quickly. Um, and it's it, success depends also on your surrounding. And, and in my case, success depends on how well you are supported by your peer in the exec team, how well you are supported by your direct leadership team, which you work with. Um, and, and you need to accept, and all these people need to understand that you're not here to bring the expertise on the industry in particular. You're here to actually have a pair of fresh eyes who've been around, been around the block, and is capable of gathering the key signals um, and, and help bring that into, is not based, I'm, I'm not, I'm not distorted by the noise of people who have been in this industry for so far. So I'm not afraid to ask questions. Um, and it's some dumb at the beginning, but I think everybody should ask a lot of questions. And that's one of the things I always tell to everybody who works with me is like, keep asking, keep, keep asking. The worst case that happened, people will not answer. Um, that's not the end of the world, right? So keep asking questions and be curious. <clears throat> Curiosity is probably the number one uh, character of any successful product person out there yeah amazing awesome and i guess you know in terms of how you sort of set your own teams up how you work with your teams you know everyone is different and that's the beauty of you know uh, different businesses different domains different teams is that you know i guess different flashes of personalities characters experience etc i guess as a leader you know somebody who's in a you know a, a c c level position somebody who's you know very senior in the business um do, have you ever experienced challenges or i guess um pushback from you know peers who maybe don't have the same outlook to you with regards to where you get people from yeah i mean i mean it's it's uh, pushback is a bit too strong because you know at some point at some point in most companies or at least i've been lucky i've not been in company where it's not possible you might get challenged a little bit on the choice you're making but at some point at some point you're responsible right it's it's more like you take the responsibility you take the risk um and if if you manage to not completely sink the company with your choices or, or you don't have the attrition rate that is crazy because you're picking the wrong people, sure. at some point, people give you a little bit of slack and let you, let, let you experiment to a certain level. So I, I never really encountered problem putting people putting a, a veto uh, against, against who I would like to hire. Um, and I must also admit that now I have a pretty pretty significant network. So I also, I, I come with a lot of luggage when I join a company, which means luggage, meaning in that case, yeah. I tend to bring people with me uh, when, it's, when it's the right thing, right? Um, so I've done that at Clark and, and uh, VP of design, for example, came because he was working with me before and, and we wanted to work again together. And I, and I think now more than ever, um, this idea of building your network is also extremely important. And, and so it might be people, and why I'm telling you that, because it might be people that are not from this industry or that I'm bringing, but it's people that I know because I worked with them before, because, because I've seen them operating in other company, I know they have the right potential. And moreover, I think for me, the most important part is also, I actually want to work with them, yeah. right? I want to spend time with them. And, and, um, and I think ultimately, and it's even more true these days, is it's all about people, right? The, the, because, because a lot of people are asking, oh, what industry I want? I, I, I mentor quite a lot of people and, and, and I get this question very often. It's like, oh, I don't know what industry to go to. I'm attracted by that, but I don't know. And some are attracted to industry for the wrong thing and for the wrong reasons, right? Um, and I, I, I would put people before industry every day. Like it, it's, it's way more important. Um, so, so think people before thinking industry, if you are thinking of making a move. Um, and, and I think the culture of a company is much more interesting. The, and once again, the culture and the potential of a company is much more interesting than just focusing on the industry it's in. Yeah, amazing. Perfect. Um, and I guess just in terms of, I guess, scaling teams, you know, 
skating teams right now is very different to what it was like nine months ago <laughs> or you know over you know the, everybody's career basically um obviously if you know people and you've experienced working with them you know that's kind of a big part of your decision is kind of made i guess but how have you how, how what's the experience been like of actually scaling teams bringing people in remotely you know from a people from a product perspective what, what's that actually been like for you yeah, so if I take the example of Clark, I mean it's not hyper growth, right? We're not, we're not, we're not trying to hire fifty people in a year or something. I mean, in in when you work in product and design, um, even if you're going hyper scale, like you might double the team or or or, but it's not it's not like scale that you can see hyper scale company who are growing and by three four times forex uh, a year, and then and then all they do basically is hiring, mm-hmm. um, and then the onboarding become an issue. I think in product. In product and design, um, you the the number of people you have to bring on board is 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 more limited. But at the at the but doesn't make it necessarily easier because the pool is also more limited, right? So so it's kind of the same thing. Um, I would say onboarding is very difficult these days. It really is. I mean, you can do a lot of efforts. So I take the time to talk to every new employee in my team, um, try to make them feel comfortable. I think Clark does a, a good job at onboarding people. Uh, even in these times, um, but it's extremely important, right? The first impression and making sure that people are feel welcome and, and they have everything they need to get to get going is extremely important. Mm-hmm. So giving attention to these first days, this first week is extremely important, making sure you have a, you have assigned a buddy for everybody to ask questions, uh, for a newcomer to come question. Also make sure that they have a few things line up already before they join, they know who they have to talk. So preparing them in advance is also very, very interesting. Um, finding people these days is, it's not much harder than it was before, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's quite a lot of movement in the market, um, quite a lot of job openings, quite a lot of things happening, not like, especially in our area of tech, right? A, a lot of business are actually flourishing during uh, during the pandemic. So. And, and people are moving around, um, but, and the beauty of, of, of being everybody working remote is that it, it also expands um, your horizon and, and where you want people to come from. Yeah. Whether you want them ultimately to relocate or not, at least for the six, net six to nine months, they can take it easy, work from home, and then make the right decision at the right time. So you don't put that extra pressure of relocating the people and at the same time starting a new job, which I think is, is healthy. Um, and I won't lie, like we're struggling. It's, it's hard today to build a team dynamic because, because everybody has Zoom fatigue and every, nobody really wants to have yet another team meeting after, after hours um, to do a virtual wine tasting, right? Like, like let's be honest around that. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's difficult. Um, if I can give a tip to people about that, I think, I think we found something really interesting at Clark that really works. Um, which I, I think is interesting and you should try if you didn't try. Um, we've done a very traditional book club. So it, it sounds like nothing, but actually we, we were meeting, we, we picked a book as a team. We got the book, we bought as the company, the book for every puppy, everybody wanted to read the book and participate. Then we read three or four chapters. We get together once a week uh, after work. Uh, grab a beer, a glass of wine, whatever, whatever you're into, um, and and we just talk about that. And it's very interesting because it's out of the scope of work, of the daily work. But at the same time, there's something in your mind. You will make the parallel with what's happened at work. So you end up talking about work. So you end up building this team culture without forcing it. Without and 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 the book is a good um, is a good support for conversation. So. I'm working now uh, ideating with the team um, and because you were asking about my manager style. I think it's very collaborative and, and very grassroots and ideating with the team is very important. And so we're ideating right now what else we can do. Um, and, and, and I think I like this idea and I'm happy to share with everybody because it seems very simple, not something you would necessarily think about, but it, it, it covers the learning, it covers the knowledge exchange within the team, it creates the bonds, it, it gives you topic to discuss that are not work, but are still close enough from work. Yeah. Um, so it, it was a great, it, it was a, a really great initiative and, and not an idea that came from me, by the way. It's an idea that um, Marco, a PM in my team, came with the idea 
and he took it off, which I, I really love. And that's the type of people you want to have with your team. He just came up with the idea. We said, like, great idea. And he, he organized everything. And I was really just enabler, making sure we could buy the book and making sure people yeah. would participate. But that was his project. And, and, and that's just awesome. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's perfect. And look, you get a cup of maybe a few nice glasses of wine and uh, some good conversation from it. Yeah, no. yeah, it's great. But it's, it's such a good point, though, and I think, <clears throat> you know, especially now. And look, I think it's been really tough for, for so many companies, you know, every business, especially if your team's, you know, pretty they're pretty big or you've been scaling quite quickly or for anyone, in fact, who's brought new people in because... I mean, you know, I'm finding myself now and I'm having conversations with people. Look, we're, you know, Friday afternoon. <clears throat> I would naturally say, what are you doing this weekend? Nothing. There is nothing to pretty much do apart from, you know, just try and sort of keep sanity. So yeah. I guess having something which is a focal point, like a book, which, you know, is a bit of a, a bit of a focus for you personally, a different part of conversation. Look, naturally, you get people who work together speaking about different things, as exactly as you said, things will get triggered, yeah. right? You know, so yeah, exactly, and 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 also, I mean, I, I like what you just say, Adam. Is just like, yeah, we're Friday. It's Friday. Yeah, yeah. We're all gonna be in a weekend, and like, yeah, you wake up on Saturday. It's like, yeah, okay. Yep. What, what am I gonna do? You just want to <laughs> stay away from your screen, right? That's that's the thing. Um, and you taking walk and, and whatever it is. So, but it's um it's tough for everybody. Like it's really tough, and um and we all have our ups and downs. So so I think I think having this little moment where you can share are, are, are really important. And I'm I'm really looking forward to more ideas like that, because I I yeah as I said, this whole idea of just getting and and we've seen it right. We tried it also. You do these all ends. You bring everybody together, but it feels awkward at some point because everybody's looking at each other. It's like, what are we going to talk about, right? So you want to find ways where there needs to be something around it and you don't want a moderator because you already have moderator in the workshop that you are doing um, during right. the day because that's what makes it work. So finding that dynamic is, is takes a bit of time and a bit of effort from everybody, but, um, but I think we need to do that. And, and um, because I also believe that, yeah, I mean, it's pretty extreme, this, this home office we're living today, but, uh, but it opened the eyes of a lot of people. And I think I'm, I'm a strong, Sorry, I'm a strong believer that the future is going to be a mix of office and and um, and homework. Um, yeah. That's that's the way I hope it's going to be. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you touched on it, you know, just now in the last. Uh... The, the, the last thing we discussed just around, I guess, where you can actually now hire talent from. And, you know, I guess from a from a, uh, a candidate perspective, you know, where you can actually look for work because, you know, I think the main sort of big company you had like Pinterest, then you had Twitter, for example, you know, Square, they were all saying, look, we're pretty much going to be remote first if that's what you actually like. Um, you know, we've seen, you know, a pretty, pretty strong influx of uh, companies from the States, which are now setting up European hubs, remote talent hubs, which, you know, before, if you're a candidate and you want to work for a company that is only based in, you know, New York or only based in Paris, whatever it is, you physically have to move your whole life to that country. And look, there are some great experiences and some people, you know, have had amazing careers in doing so, you know, as you said, you never really expected to be in Berlin, but now you, you're here and this is where you are. But um, yeah, I think the opportunity for, for talent is, it's really, really exciting and interesting. So, but I guess it's finding that balance and how you as a leader actually allow that environment as well, right? Yeah, yeah and I think it's our role also to, I think different thing. I mean. I was I was being naturally optimistic and say it's great and you can find the people and all that. Of course, we're struggling like everybody to find the people. Let's not paint too rosy picture here. But but I think there is an angle where where what's happening today. I want to see the opportunity in what's happening today, not only for us as as company and team builder, but also for the people who want to join and try new things. So so I think it's a great time as a as someone who's looking for a new job or change to just. To just give it a shot, right? Because there is, as I said, there's a lot of movement in the market. There's people are hiring in new ways. People are are more curious. People are ready to give chance. Whatever book you open, and everybody has time to read, right? And whatever book you go open about about leadership or about about product in general or product creation, they all talk about the same thing because it's becoming obvious that you need to bring that diversity in the group. And, and this idea of building teams around rock stars and having one rock star is gonna run everything is completely overwhelmed today by this idea of it's a teamwork and it's a team play. And, and, you, and to be a successful team, whatever it is, it's product, it's business, it's sports, it's whatever, you need this diversity. So, 
and diversity can come from where you are. So I'm, I think I think it's very important to not be to not shying away if your profile is not perfect and that you don't cross all the bullet points, right? Just give it a shot, um, be confident, and 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 also I think be very honest. Like don't fake it. Like it, it's like everybody knows. I mean, everybody who's been recruiting knows that the unicorn you're looking for doesn't exist. So you're gonna it's gonna be a give and take game. Um, and I'm, I've always been a very big advocate of being honest. Mm. Um, know what you don't know and and tell it up front. Um, and 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 I don't know. I'm I, I think I want to see an opportunity here. I, and I know and I know it's very tough for the non-digital businesses, but for digital businesses, it's um, it's almost just an acceleration of trends that were already there. Um, so I see that really as an acceleration of what was, what, what was already there, the change of the ways of working, the fact of a big collaboration working, the emergence of new tool that allows to work collaboratively from everywhere very efficiently. Uh, we've run retros with almost the whole company online and it works, right? So, so there's a lot of, don't feel, I mean, if you're looking for a job out there right now, don't feel as restricted by your experience, by the industry you work with or by the type of role you've been having. I think it's the right moment also to try new things. There's a lot of movement in the market. Sure. Um, so I would encourage everybody to try because because at the end of the day, there's not much to lose, right? Yeah, yeah, um, so exactly. It's good to try things out. Definitely. Yeah. What's, what's the worst that could happen, right? So yeah, <laughs> you know, life is too short, right? The worst yeah. can happen. You'll be stuck at home in front of a computer. So I was anyway. going to say, yeah, exactly. Hopefully, hopefully you're warm. You know, maybe you've got some, uh, a glass of wine next to you. It, it could be worse. Um, <laughs> so um, and I guess just kind of looking forward as well, you know, tech as a whole is always evolving, you know, new technologies, new ways of working, practices, languages, et cetera, et cetera. Within you know your role as a as a CPO, and I know it can be sort of hard to call it sometimes, but how if you could sort of jump forward, you know, maybe a few years or maybe not even that far, but how do you see product development and product management sort of moving with regards to you know how teams are put together, their focus, their involvement in businesses, I guess as well, which has got so much more crucial right you know every startup pretty much is a you're, you're a product business right your product is your company so are there any sort of trends that you see coming in or anything that has been on your mind yeah so i think the trend is pretty clear and you see that that more and more is that product is taking a much more important role in in many many companies not all of them right you, you still have company who are I mean, traditionally, you have companies who are engineering-driven, marketing-driven, and sales-driven, right? That, that was kind of the way we used to we used to categorize the different companies. So you would be either super tech, engineering-driven, um, pretty hardcore in that discipline, or, or you would be very sales-driven, and basically the product would basically take requirements from sales and customer directly and build solution much more than product. Engineering would build product. If it was engineering-driven, it would be product that people would have a hard time selling because they were building a garage and without talking to customer and 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 it could work it could it could work right don't get me wrong but but it's it's a risky situation and then everything that is driven by marketing is basically whatever you build let's let's find the marketing tactics to get it out there and i'm and i'm exaggerating of course and i think now there's a fourth category is much more cutting across horizontally i think because the way i look at product I think product is the glue within the company. Product is what makes really all the different other functions work together. Um, and, and because at the end of the day, product without engineering is nothing. If you build a product, you're not capable of marketing and selling it, like what's the point? And of course, some products sell themselves and market themselves through product. You still need to work with sales. You still need to understand, even if you embed that into your product, you need, still need to understand the mechanics of sales and the marketing. So. I think I think I really think of product as the glue, and that's the reason why one of the trends that you see is more and more, um, yeah, more and more company vision and product vision are starting to merge together. And and basically, basically, and that's the way I work in in main companies. Basically, when I come to company, they have a company vision and they have they're doing things, but there is a big gap in between, which is happen to be building a product strategy, which is. The evidence of your vision put into in, into a piece of paper or, or whatever you want to use it, which is not a feature roadmap, right? It's, it's just translating your vision into big steps that you're going to take for the next two or three years. And that's the product strategy. And that you use that as the framework for 
for basically prioritization of everything that the teams are doing. And I, and I think the fact that this missing piece in the whole chain between the team building and the exec selling the vision to the board, selling the vision to the market, the, the fact that the product strategy is that link um, for me is, is really, is really this idea of gluing things together and, 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 and making things work. And I think it's going to be more and more like that moving forward. Um, but that's a movement we see already. We, you see that if you look at stats, if you look at what's happening, traditionally the CEO um, or the co-founder was always the person who has the product knowledge. Hmm. And it was very traditional, what you would see after a few years, especially when there was venture money coming in and the board putting in place, the board at some point would say like, hey, it's time to bring someone who has experience in product. Um, and I've, I've been there, done that. So yeah. <laughs> I, I know the story. And I think now, now it's now you, what you see is, of course, this is still happening, but the role of product becomes almost like a bottom-up approach. People start to understand that the product is that glue. The product is what brings all these pieces together uh, and make them work in, in in the right direction. And 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 of course, the product is the connection between the company and and the customers, right? So so the other big trends that I see and and which is it's almost late to the game, right? I hope it would have come earlier, but it's really this very customer-centric approach. So this idea of building the product, not for the customer, but with the customer, mm -hmm. this whole idea of experimenting, bringing the customer on board on the journey with you, um, I think is something that everybody now realize. Not everybody does it, of course, yeah. but, um, but I think that's a big trend that you're gonna see more and more because ultimately, it's very risky. At, at the end of the day, it's extremely risky to build a product without talking to your customer. Yeah, yeah, of course. Extremely risky. It can work, right? Like this, this idea, you know, this idea we have about, oh, it was built in the garage by someone and then it became the big hit. Sure. There's not that many stories like that anymore, right? There, we have a few. That's the idea that we are, all of us have about the big success in the Silicon Valley, these garage where people were building stuff like going submarine mode for nine months or two years and then coming with a beautiful project yeah. that sells like hot, hot bread. Um, I, I didn't hear any story like that for, for years. Yeah. So, so I think the world is changing. And now, now we're putting back the, the user and the customer where it it's supposed to be, like really part of the process. Yeah, yeah, of course. You've touched on so many really, really interesting points there. Obviously, customer, for sure, you know, your users who is actually buying your product or using, you know, your app, whatever it is. But it's something that a lot of people actually mention and so many people that, you know, we've partnered with over the years, you know, you see these great businesses, which have you know, really good products and really interesting products, but you start to peel back some of the layers of some of the challenges. They've kind of been building stuff with how they perceive a customer should want, you know, to, to, it to be without actually asking the customer how they want it to be. And there are so many great people we've had, we've had on the, the, the show, you know, over the last year or so that, you know, the, the, a lot can be said for just getting something out there, testing the feedback, you know, don't put something out there that you're genuinely not happy with, right? However, if you have new features, test it, I guess, you know, do your sort of A-B testing, see what the market is actually saying and responding, um, which, yeah, I guess, as you said, to, you know, people who are kind of maybe finishing university, working in some great sort of slick companies now, you think that's how it's always been, but it hasn't yeah. always been like that, right? Oh. No, I don't know. It, it, first of all, it, it, you're absolutely right. It, it's it's kind of the norm now, and and it's it's once again, it's in every book, in every podcast, and it's everywhere. So so that's the way we now think the world is. But not so long ago, it was not like that, and today is it's not like that. Like you you would be amazed the number of company where the product manager, product owners don't talk to anyone, mm. and and and. And it, because it's difficult and because the answer you get, like I'm talking to a few companies or time, it's like, yeah, but it takes a lot of effort to go and, and, and motivate the customer to talk to you and the user to talk to you. And, and it's true, it's an effort and you need to take time for that. And going back to what I was saying at the beginning, you need to give the time to your product team. And it's not only the product manager, product owner, by the way, you need to also have the engineer in the room. You need to, they need to be part of this, uh, of this user research and these user interviews because otherwise they are too far away from the product and from the user. So you need to make that happen, but it takes time. So it's, it's, a, it's a company decision to build the time into your delivery uh, mechanism for this discovery piece and for this experimentation. And, and, and every company can make it, right? There's a ton of people out there who are happy to talk. And, and 
And there are also shortcuts into that. It, like look within your company of the pockets of people actually talking to the user who can be proxy for the user. It's not the user, so it's not perfect, but it's the first point. So talk to your salespeople, talk to your marketing people, talk to people who are doing customer service, right? Even better, like sit down and do customer service yourself. So I think there are ways without going all the way and, and, and actually recruiting user to talk to you. Um, there's pockets of information within the company that, that as a product, product person uh, or product creation team member, you need, to, you need to leverage. I think it's extremely important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's, I mean, you sort of touched on obviously, you know, engineering, sales, marketing, it's that sort of business agility, I guess, right? You know, everything has to be as close to, you know, no one's perfect. I'm yet to find many perfect companies or, you know, teams and everything is, you know, kind of smells of roses, but it's the product runs runs so deep within the, the fabric of the business and everything you have to consider all options basically i guess and, and make sure that yeah you're working towards the same goal ultimately which is why it's really really interesting to see where product now is i guess even from you know even from sort of 11 or 12 years ago when i was work, you know getting into the tech industry from a talent perspective it's completely different and who knows where we're going to be in another 10 years, yeah. right? <laughs> hopefully, yeah. hopefully we'll be allowed to, to restaurants and pubs by then. Who knows? But <laughs> yeah, let's see. Uh, or it's all going to be virtual again. But no, no. Uh, let's see. Hopefully, hopefully before 10 years. Otherwise, the beard is going to be even bigger. Right? <laughs> nice. That's that's the whole idea. Let's work for the bar, for the barbers to reopen before I can cut the beard. But, um, so let's see how long it's going to be. But no, no. I totally agree with you. It's like the role of product, it changed from it changed from almost a necessity. You had to be running the thing and make thing running to be at to being at the forefront and, and being almost the first. It's almost now kind of interesting. You were almost the last team who was talking to customer because the requirement would come from sales or from marketing, and you would just at the end of the journey, sure. putting everything together, shipping that to engineering would build it. So it was before before uh, agile was there for, uh, for the kids in the room but um but but it's completely changing now you're at the forefront the product people and and the pro but, I'm, but by the way when i say product people for me i think product creation there's no more because i think that's another direction we're taking where this chinese wall we have built between product and generating design and data um this healthy friction between engineering and product turn it into a product creation team make them work really together um and and i don't have here again i don't have a blueprint but i think that's very important that they share the same goal and they work together they're all expert in their field but they are a team right and and i think it's very interesting that they are not the forefront they are the one talking to the user at the end they are almost the first thing that the, that the people see which is kind of logical because the first thing people see is the product so why not see also the people who are actually building the product for them so there's a lot of logic here. How far is it going to go in the future? I don't know. I think, I think um, for me, an interesting way to look at it is that um, the product people in company are generally the jack of all trades because, because of where they are coming from, because they have to make connection with everybody. They have to manage stakeholder. They have to have a great communication and understand enough of everything to, to be basically fluent in every language, being in sales, in marketing, in engineering um and very very native speaker with the user right that's the kind of you can you can do this kind of analogy um so it, it's uh it's very interesting to see that it's it's these product person are are the glue also so same as the product is a glue i think the product people are the glue between all these different forces within the company sure yeah amazing so if you're listening and you're not a product manager respect your product manager or your product owner <laughs> give them yeah, the time of course Awesome. And look, I mean, I'm just going to take a look through some of the questions I was going to ask you. You've kind of covered everything that I sort of had lined up in some way or another with, you know, just advice and learnings and challenges. But, you know, I guess, you know, we, we, we've had so much sort of interest from people that know you're coming on from, you know, from a senior product sort of leadership and engineering perspective, and also those that are quite new into their career. But, you know, I guess one thing that I really just sort of like to, to touch on, you know, 
you are now in a place where you never sort of saw that coming, I guess, or, you know, it's a completely different path you thought you could have taken or, you know, would have naturally taken. But, you know, if you are sort of a couple of years in or you're thinking about where you want your, you know, you know you love products, but you're thinking about maybe some advice, things that you should take on board. I mean, you've mentioned curiosity, you know, I guess taking a bit of a leap of faith sometimes, but, you know, if you were speaking to yourself, maybe, you know, getting into your career, what advice would you give you? Uh, would that be a scary experience or would it be, uh, how, how would you approach it? <laughs> no, I think, I think that's a very interesting question. I think, I think I would be, I would probably scare myself, right? If I were to meet myself younger. Um, <laughs> no, but I think, I think I'm very grateful. I've been very lucky. I've seen, I've seen a lot of things. It's not always been beautiful, right? It's not always an easy ride and everything, but, uh, but I've learned along the way and, uh, and I've been super, I mean, I've been super grateful to meet so many people. For me, at the end of the day, I think of life as, as you know, little one after the other kind of mini project or steps or different moments in life. And I think, I think I've been, I would encourage everybody to be curious and try things out. I mean, don't, but it's, it's because it's my nature, right? My, and, and I think a lot of people should take the opportunity to look around, try different things. Um, and, and one thing I never did so far is that I never worked in, in, I work in music and I'm, I'm, I'm a music lover and I work in, in, in mapping and I'm a mapping lover and I'm looking at InsureTech, which is not because I love insurance. I'm not that <laughs> much of a freak, but, but um, it's because it's new and because this industry is moving very fast and, and it's very interesting to see for me. But I think, I think one thing I've not done is not work into something that is really I've never mixed hobby and, and work. And uh, so that's something I have no experience that I, I'm, I might want to do at some point. Um, but, but no, just be open, grab the opportunities. At the end of the day, nobody knows what's around the corner. So I've been also very lucky to get a lot of opportunity and I always take them. That's why I'm also, and that's an advice I give to every, every mentor I work with. It's just like, grab the opportunity, put, put yourself out there um, because it doesn't come to you if you don't force it a little bit. So take this leap of faith, try new things. Um, it's not always gonna work. Most of the time it will be like, yeah, not so good. But um, the beauty of the, 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 the market these days is that it's very easy to, it's pretty fluid, right? You're moving from one place to another. You don't get stigmatized if you have so many steps in your, in your resume anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, it was not like that 10 years ago, I mean, um, you probably can also tell about that when, when you had to sell client or had like a sketchy resume or like, uh, you know, it's like, oh, why, why did you stay just nine months there? What happened? Like, and, and you have to justify yourself where yeah. instead of thinking about it, about an experience and trying to get the best out of it, even if it's just to meet people. And also, even if it's just to realize that the way of working of this company is just not for you, mm. uh, that's already a learning. Take that. And so you do a better choice for the next time. So. I think, I think if I had to give one, um, one piece of advice to a younger me or probably to be curious and try things out because yeah. only by trying, you know what you like. Yeah, um, that, that's, that's probably where I would, it would land. Um, and, uh, and I'm lucky I did that. So mm -hmm. pretty lucky and I will keep doing it, right? I still have time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, awesome. Um, and I get you just touched on kind of the, the mentorship that you do as well. So, you know, you mentor um, I get aspiring sort of product enthusiasts, you know, te uh, technologists, and also obviously startups. Yeah. Do you find that, you know, there are, I guess if we focus maybe on some of the startups that you work with and yeah. you know, new businesses, um, are you finding that they're approaching, I guess, product and their, the scale of their business in a more efficient way than they used to or do people still just have the same the same preconceptions that you need to kind of steer them steer them away from no i mean i mean it's a mix right it's difficult to make a generality i mean i i've been working i've been working with interesting company at, at different stage and different startups um and and there's still a lot of education around product and product strategy and the power of the product and how you and, and you come in because by default, like by default, the startup is very much ingrained and it's very much um, uh, defined by these co-founders, right? And and uh, and of course, if the co-founder are very product oriented, then, then it's going to be a very product heavy company. If it's more, I work now with a, I'm, I'm, I'm advising a startup who is more around 
working with designers, so it's very design and engineering oriented. And now we're bringing the product, working with them on product strategy. They pick up very quickly, right? Which is which is the right thing. Um, and 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 some of them come from different angle. Um, but I, I would say the one I work with mostly, they're pretty heavy on the engineering part, and uh, but they see the value of product. Um, so for me, it's it's a it's an interesting journey to work with these people and to try to make them benefit a little bit from from my experience and and also it's very selfish the reason why i do that is for myself right it's it's uh it's an extremely interesting experience it's very rewarding and uh and i think i think it's very rewarding if you are picky on both ends right you should avoid and i did that mistake before trying to advise like as many startup as possible and then you're not available you're not doing a great job and i think it's very important to be picky um to only limit yourself to a few of them and and really go deep and build a relationship and and that's what it is at the end when you sit to the board of the company of course you help them with your experience but there needs to be a relation a trust a trustful relationship that is built yeah. and for me it's been super interesting you learn a lot as well i mean i mm. It, you know, when 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 you're an executive, you're not more you're not in the trenches anymore, or so or, or so often. You help when there's a fire, but otherwise, you have other things to do. You you manage people, right? And um, and working with startups bring me down to the trenches, um, and so that keeps me rooted. And that that's a great, um, yeah. I just enjoy it, and and and, and I will keep up doing that um, as long as I can. Yeah, amazing. And I think that there's a lot of people as well that probably would love to do that but maybe have that imposter syndrome where they think oh the people really care about what i have to say so i guess for people who maybe haven't reached out because they maybe think they're not experienced enough or good enough and look you have to have experience right you need to be yeah. able to bring something but again be curious just to see because you'd be surprised yeah, sure. right? yeah, yeah. And, and and honestly it has nothing to do with age or experience or anything you can learn from everybody right i think mean, for me the, the perfect example is like before we started, you were you were telling me about your kids, right? And and uh, you learn from them. So you can even think about them as mentor anyway, because you learn from them. Like what what I also have kids; they're a bit they're much older than yours. But when they are very young, you you realize the level of creativity they have. They don't have all these barriers in their hand. They're really in the moment. So there's a lot of things we can learn from them. Um, just the way they breathe, just the way it's very different from, they don't have all these social thing that we have put around us. So yeah. there's learning everywhere. That's what I'm trying to say here. And, and you can learn. I honestly work with young founders who it's their first company and that, and I'm learning as much as they learn from me, right? It's just, uh, it goes back to curiosity and to be open-minded. Um, and, uh, and, and everybody should, everybody should, almost everybody should have in their head that they have something to share. I mean, yeah. it's important. No one, no one has nothing to share. I don't, I don't think it exists. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. It's nice. Um, and you, you mentioned as well, you know, you haven't really fully sort of crossed over, I guess, hobbies with kind of work and stuff. What, no. what would that look like if you can say, I mean, <laughs> oh. yeah, no, sure. I mean, I, I mean, let, let, let's go crazy. So at, at, when I'm not locked at home, yeah. I like to surf when I can. Um, and I would love to, it's funny because I'm talking about that with my son, who's also a surfer and he's young and, and, and is, is 19. And, he's, and we have this conversation. It's kind of another moment of, that is fun where we would like to invent an artificial wave that takes less energy than the one that exists today. Nice. Um, so that's something that would be super fun to do. Um, um, yeah, well, this kind of thing, I, I, I would love to work in, in domain that I like. So I do, I do quite a lot of sport. I would love to work in, in that world. Uh, and there are iconic company that, um, that are awesome in that. Um, but yeah, uh, but I don't know, right. That's the thing is like, uh, you know, work and I'll be mixing that together. Is it a good yeah. thing? Is it a bad thing? I think, I think there is the two sides of the, of the metal here, right? Sometimes yeah. if you, if, if your hobby become your work, then it's not a hobby anymore. Uh, but on the other end, if you spend nine hours or 10 hours a day working on something, if you can mm -hmm. enjoy it at the same time, it's pretty nice. Yeah, of so, course. So no, yeah, that, that, there's a few ideas in my mind of things I would like to do, but, um, but I don't know if I want to do them myself or if I just want to see other people building it and maybe help. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. 
Exactly. And you can go there with your son at the weekends, right? Absolutely. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Perfect. Good stuff. And I guess, I mean, longer term, you know, once uh, once everything's kind of sort of, you know, cashed in, hit the big time, maybe a surf shack in the Caribbean, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I know. Maybe. I think I think the way I look at it is, is um, I'm pretty active, so I don't see myself retiring, really. So, mm. so I... I want to, that's why for me, it's also important to keep that advising, coaching part alive, because I think, I think more and more we will see people who have been around experience working more with the younger generation and either it will be in some shape and form within the company or also joining younger company board and helping them and bringing them, opening your network, bringing them your experience. I think it's a way to stay active while managing your time and not being, not cranking the wheel for 10 hours a day, but but sure. still feeling useful, learning in the process and sharing your experience while continuously learning. I think, I think that's where you were asking me where I, I was seeing myself before, <laughs> definitely not where I am now. Yeah. Um, but now, now that I try to think of where I want to be, I think that that will be a nice place um, um, to be because, because it, it feels like a natural um, progression. Sure. A continuation rather. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. No, amazing. Look, I, I mean, thank you so much for everything that you've kind of given to us. I mean, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I know so many people are going to take <clears throat> some, some great, great stuff from this. And look, I know you're super busy, but I'm sure you're also a very welcoming, collaborative guy, right? So, I mean, are you happy for people to maybe sort of drop you a line or something? If yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, of course. I'd be to, happy to continue the conversation uh, on any topic uh, that has been shared or any other topic, right? I... Yeah, a bit busy, but I, I tend to always make the time because I, I really believe in, in the value of this conversation. So, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, um, it was it was really, really nice conversation. Um, it was probably the best way of end up ending up the week, right? The Friday like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go for a couple more hours of work, but, uh, but it, was a, it was a fantastic break. So thanks very much, Adam, for having me. Yeah, no, no, no. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And look, I think, I mean, look, we've been kind of speaking in the background. Yeah. It'd be awesome to maybe do some more of these, I guess, maybe bring some people in, maybe do some kind of product uh, kind of showcase or something. That'd be great. But but just, I guess, to finish on as well, look, you are at a new company, which has, you know, some, some awesome funding, which has just come through, you know, big funding round. Genuinely, if you're listening, I guess, for me personally, if I worked in products, Look, Nicholas, I could never compete with the beard ever. However, I would love to, to learn from someone like you. So look, if there are people listening in genuinely, you know, I, would you like them to sort of reach out and explore what that yeah. could be? Yeah, please, please, please. It's all, always a pleasure. Like, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, I'm, I'm happy to have conversation, happy to help in any ways. Um, and uh, yeah, we can share my, my, um, my contact detail. Easy. Yeah. No worries. Perfect. Fantastic stuff. Well, I'm definitely going to get a, a glass of wine ready for the weekend at some point. Maybe not right now. It's a little bit too early, perhaps. Uh, I'll have to get the kids first. But, but yeah, look, thanks. thanks so much for joining. Really, really enjoyed it. And yeah, have, have, a, have a great one. Thanks for giving us some of your time. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon. Yes, Bye, Adam. <laughs>